Father in heaven, we pray for your Holy Spirit now to come and speak to us from your word about an amazing time in the history of the church. Help us to to hear of it and to learn from it and speak to us about our time. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, this has been uh, an interesting and kind of unusual fall with all of the different things we've had going on and and, and different changes and different events and today being such an amazing reality of the day when we open up the new children's wing and the kids are in there, we're in there for the first time and there's a whole other wave of them in there right now. I I was uh, over there, you're you're actually going to get to see a little video that we shot just at the beginning of the last service. Uh, At the end, we'll show you that of some of what's going on in the different spaces in there. Uh, But the the energy is just amazing over there. And and I went out there for a little while between second service and this service and the people coming back and forth and and all of the kids, just amazing. Uh, Hard to describe. You just need to go out there and experience it. And it's in that context that I want to talk to you today. And, I, and so this fall has been a little different. And typically in the fall, we'll do a, a fairly lengthy series that will start somewhere in August and, and take us all the way down to around Thanksgiving. There it is. I said that word. We're getting closer, right? The, the holidays are soon to be upon us. But this year has been a little different with all the different things going on. And... And so we're keying in the book of Acts when we have the chance to focus on it. I want to mention next Sabbath is a very special Sabbath. Uh, we have uh, Forest Lake Education Center is, is doing the major parts of first and third service next week. And they'll have a choir here. And uh, it's going to be a really special Sabbath. You're going to want to be a part of that. Um, Chris Jewell, who's now the head of schools, will be our speaker at, at all of our services but uh, then we'll be in Acts again through the month of October leading up, to, uh, our leading up to Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas, so get that in your head. Start getting ready. But we're in Acts again today, and it's because of the seven days of prayer we had. Pastor Julie got us initiated in this book. And we need to spend more time here because it talks about the church, and, and I think this is an important time for us. Today I want to read to you from a passage that, that you probably know is in here and you've probably blown through a few times, but it kind of seems more like a transitional passage than one we really tend to spend a lot of time in. But I think it's highly relevant to us right now, and so I want to reflect on it. So Acts chapter 11 is where we are, and we're going to begin reading in verse 19 where we find these words. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Okay, so that's kind of a short little sentence verse, but there's a lot of information there that that needs context and that we need to understand. And, And so the first piece of that starts out with what we might otherwise consider to have been a very negative scenario. And the first point I want you to see in this is that sometimes things that we perceive to be very negative experiences can in fact turn out to produce some really amazing outcomes. This is that whole, uh, for the Lord 
works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purpose kind of passage. So the first thing this mentions is the persecution that broke out associated with Stephen. Well, if you remember this story, as the church in Jerusalem began to grow, there, be, there became some growing pains in the church. Now, the church is all, pretty much everybody in the church is Jewish who has accepted Jesus. So the perception of everybody's minds is that Jesus is the Messiah come to save the Jews and that the bulk of the church will always be Jewish believers in Jesus. And it is in this context that there, a certain conflict arises in the church between what are described as the Hellenistic widows and the Jewish widows. Now they're all still Jewish, but the reality was some of the Jews that adapted themselves a little more to the Greek culture that dominated the entire Mediterranean region, and some had remained a bit more orthodox and pure. And it seems as though as the widows were getting their assistance from the church, that a complaint arose that the, the Greek inclined, the more culturally adapted widows, were not getting the same service as the more orthodox widows. And it is at this point that the disciples appoint, or actually the church appoints what we call deacons. And in fact, that's the first place that word appears. The deacons whose job it was to make sure that the needs of the church were met. Now, I tell you that story specifically because pretty much all of the deacons who are named, they have Greek names. They're Jewish, but they're the Hellenized Jews. And one in particular was named Stephen. And it turns out Stephen was, was very effective at speaking about Jesus to Hellenized Jews. Most of the apostles they found their early success more amongst the more orthodox Jews. But Stephen opened up a new door, and he began to speak very powerfully among the Greek-speaking Jews. So effective was he becoming that it became a problem to the Sanhedrin, which was the leadership of the Jews at the time. And so they brought him in, and he testifies before them, and his testimony makes them so crazy. You remember the story. They lay hold of him. They carry him outside. They take off their jackets and lay them at the feet of a man named Saul, who will appear again in the story today. And they took up stones, and they stoned Stephen. And this initiated a persecution in Jerusalem. How many of you long for a persecution? Don't raise your hand because we'll know you're lying and you don't know what that means. Nobody wants that. But because of the persecution, the believers, many of them, were driven out of Jerusalem. Now, until now, this message of Jesus, it had started to get some traction with the Samaritans who were kind of grudgingly let in. And there was that unusual story about Cornelius, but here he was right here in the Jerusalem, near Jerusalem. He wasn't in Jerusalem, but he's close. Still very much in an area filled with Jews. But now they got driven out. And if you read this passage, it says, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Now, I want to give you a little map here so you get an idea of where they went and, and the different places they went to. So, 
So down here near the bottom is Jerusalem in Judea. And when the persecution came, they were driven out. Some of them went to Cyprus. Cyprus is an island just off the coast there. And Antioch is a city up there near the top of where the Mediterranean Sea curves around and the modern-day Turkey then sits across the top. Now, also just around the corner there is the city of Tarsus. I will mention that to you in a little bit. But do you see how far Antioch is from Jerusalem? Now, what was happening here as they got driven out was the Jews were living all around the Mediterranean area. They were called the Diaspora. They had spread out from Jerusalem. But the ones in Jerusalem lived mostly in a Jewish-centered culture. The ones in the other places lived in a Greek-centered culture. They got driven out and they went to these different regions. And then the last part of verse 19 says, they went preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Why did they do this? Well, I want to suggest to you that there was a bias here, but I don't think we should necessarily beat them up for this bias. Because often the bias that we have is so much tied to our context that it's very difficult to even know it's there. And, and in this context, you remember we talked several months ago about your mama and my mama, right? Well, the context of, of these Jews from Jerusalem that got driven out to these other parts was very simply that the Jews were God's people, Jesus was the Messiah of the Jews, and so therefore their purpose was to carry the story of Jesus to the Jews wherever they were. It's very simple logic, and logic that we ourselves would probably fall into if we had lived our whole lives in that context. Besides, why would you tell the Greeks about Jesus? The Jews had been telling the Greeks about God's law forever, and none of them ever wanted to join. Why would we tell them about Jesus? What would make a difference now? So that's the mindset. And they went out and they told only Jews. But now the next verse shows up and this verse changes everything. Verse 20, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who when they had come to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. Okay, Hellenists here is an old term for Greeks. So some of these Jews who were driven out of Jerusalem had come from Cyprus, had come from Cyrene. These were places dominated by Greek culture. And to them, to speak to a, a Jew of Greek culture or a Greek of Greek culture didn't seem that different. They had grown up in a different setting. They had different eyes for mission. And so when they got to Antioch, it was just as natural for them to speak to the Jews as it was to speak to the Greeks. And so some of them who didn't know any better went ahead and talked to the Greeks. And what happened? Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So the first point I want you to get here today is this. Sometimes huge things happen when people who don't know any better do stuff. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Sometimes huge things happen when people who don't know any better do stuff. 
They didn't know any better than to tell everybody about Jesus. They just thought that's what you were supposed to do. Now, there's actually an interesting parallel to this in our own Seventh-day Adventist church history. There was a time shortly after the disappointment in 1844, after the Millerite movement, that the earliest of the Seventh-day Adventists, before we were even officially a church, adopted an understanding that said to them that this special message for the end time was only for those who had accepted the Millerite message. And they were then to go on and believe other truths about God, including the Sabbath and other things like that. But the message was only useful if it was told to Millerites. It couldn't go anywhere else. It was called the shut door. But a problem developed. You see, it turns out somebody who had nothing to do with the Millerite movement at all started hanging around with a group of these believers in the soon coming of Jesus and in the Sabbath and in these other things. Started hanging around with them and said, hey, I want in. I believe this. And they said, wait, you can't believe this. You are on the other side of the shut door. You can't even be interested. And he said, no, I'm interested. Let me in. And they had to go back and say, maybe we missed the boat on this because look at all these people. And all of a sudden, all these people who had nothing to do with the Millerites were starting to join and be a part. And they said, wow, I guess maybe we got that wrong. It seems like God's kingdom is always a little bigger than we think, isn't it? He's always trying to do a little more than we think. And so they said, okay, well, I guess that door's open since everybody's walking around it anyway and joining so this is what had happened, and, and now all these Greeks are starting to come into the church. And it only happened because somebody was crazy enough to do it in the first place. But now it's very interesting, this next passage. You, in this context, listen to what happens next. So verse 22. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Now you read that, and it sounds innocent enough. But I suspect Barnabas' mission was not entirely go and encourage them. What I suspect had happened is somebody traveled to Jerusalem from Antioch and said they've lost their minds. The church is filling up with Greeks. Some of them are eating unclean foods. What are we going to do? And so the church said, well, we better check this out. So from their Jerusalem Jewish context, they sent Barnabas. I give them credit for sending Barnabas. Verse 23, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas came into Antioch, and suddenly his eyes were opened. Now, Barnabas is an amazing figure in the Bible. I think if there was anybody in the Bible that I really wish I could have been, I, I, Barnabas is amazing. So Barnabas grows up in Cyprus. So he's from a Greek area, but he's also a Levite. So he knows all about what it means to be a Jew and a priest and even all of those things. He wasn't a priest himself, but he was a Levite. Barnabas, that isn't even his real name. That name means son of encouragement. What an amazing nickname, right? 
Barnabas appears throughout Acts in interesting places. So the first time we hear of him, he's one of those people in Acts chapter 4 who sells land and brings the money and puts it at the feet of the apostles for the good of the people. He's the precursor to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. He appears again later on after this young man Saul, who was persecuting the church, goes to Damascus, encounters the Lord, comes back transformed, and tries to join up with the church in Jerusalem. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We know who you are. But Barnabas gives him a chance. Barnabas goes to Saul, talks to him, figures out that he's for real, and it's Barnabas that brings Saul in to the inner circle. Barnabas is this key player. So Barnabas goes, and his eyes are open, and he begins to see something that he's not seeing in the church in Jerusalem. There's something special happening here. Churches need these people. They aren't always the one that gets up and talks. They aren't always the one that leads the ministry. But they are the one that is encouraging, that brings people around, that gives people a chance, that helps people be restored after maybe they've fallen away. Churches desperately need these people. And Barnabas goes and sees. Now I want you to notice something significant here. Yes, the church is born in Jerusalem. But the true innovation in mission starts in Antioch. Do you remember what Jesus said? What, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So, so history tells us that the, the Christian church in Jerusalem, while it started there, while it was powerful in the early days, in the year 70 AD, Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans. And all the Jews would be driven out, including the Christians. Jerusalem would not remain the center of the church. Antioch would become the place, and for generations, Antioch would be this amazing center of the Christian faith. We go on, verse 25, so Barnabas sees this, his eyes are opened. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Did you notice how Antioch is all the way up there? He just had to go up and around the corner a little ways to Tarsus. Well, what was Saul doing there? Well, if you remember the story, after he began to teach about Jesus, there was danger that he as well might have become an early martyr of the church. So the brethren packaged him off and sent him back home to Tarsus. Barnabas kept it in his mind where he was, and when he encountered that experience, when he saw what was happening, he said, I know the guy who belongs in this and should be a part. So he goes and he finds him. Verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Isn't that an awesome story? And we still call ourselves that, right? The first place we got that name was not Jerusalem, was Antioch. And what an amazing era this was in this place. It was initiated by persecution. You got that part, right? They got driven out. They went there 
and in this new place, they told the Jews, but they also told the Greeks. And the Greeks started to come and believe. And amazing things started to happen. And for that whole next year, Saul and Barnabas, Saul ultimately is going to be Paul, are in this town. And you read the next verses, there's a, a prophet named Agabus who came and spent some time with them. You get to chapter 13 and you get this whole list of, of these remarkable people who were there in the church. And it is in Antioch, in a prayer meeting, where the Holy Spirit says to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them do, to do. And the first great missionary journey takes place not out of Jerusalem, out of Antioch. Antioch was the first place that people began to realize the church could look like this, filled with the nations of the world, not just the Jews. It was a remarkable era a collection of remarkable people at a remarkable time. Well, why am I telling you this story? Well, what I want to suggest to you today is this. I believe we at the Forest Lake Church are entering right now an equally remarkable era in our history. Now, I'm not saying this is the only remarkable era in our history. I mean, the, the simple fact that we're in this room is testimony to a previous remarkable era of this community. Some 50 years ago, there was a group of believers less than we are, with far less resources under their command than we have, who saw a vision of the future and built a church way bigger than they needed. And we're blessed to be in this place today because of that remarkable era of this church. There were eras of this church when Forest Lake Academy had three to 400 kids living in dorms. And every Sabbath, they came over here. And it was a remarkable ministry in that era. There was the era under Pastor Pooler that was a remarkable era here where, where the slogan of the church was, where hope is born. Why that? Well, because in that time, this community became aware that all around us are an awful lot of people who grew up Adventist but somehow have gotten estranged from their faith and they need that hope to be born in their hearts again. And it was in this place that they returned and found that hope and became the bedrock for the next 20 years of the experience of this community. And then about 10 years ago, in the middle of the time when Pastor Derek was here, Another remarkable era in this church when, when, when suddenly because of advances in, in multimedia capacity and because of the amazing AV teams that developed, the, the projection of the worship service from this place was going all over the world. And on this stage, they were filming Hope Sabbath School and it was, it was this amazing era where the impact of this church was, was leveraged all around the world. But here's the thing about Eris. You can't drag your feet as you go into the new one because you'll miss the amazing thing that's going on. You can't just keep hanging on to the one that was before. You have to recognize that there are times and seasons. And we have to move into those seasons as they come. So why do I say I think we're entering 
a remarkable era. Well, it's been in the works for a long time, but it's really come to fruition with the opening of our new lobby space and with the new children's wing. Now, the craziest things happen sometimes. So, so when we envisioned the new lobby space, we thought, you know, that'll be really nice. You know, maybe we could even use that as a gathering place sometime. Maybe, maybe we'll have a meal there sometime or something. Because one of the great challenges that this community always had was this, this problem with togetherness. Because we could gather in a service, but there's three services, so you never really gathered with everybody. And you can gather in your Sabbath school class, but you can only get so many people in that room. And so we, we, we passed without ever really fellowshipping sometimes. And, and back when the lobby was that little narrow hallway that looks like a cavern now, and you went into those little spaces on the side, one of which was not even air-conditioned, the only thing on your mind was get to the car, get home as fast as you can. But we envisioned this new space. The leaders of this church saw this new space and thought maybe we could use this, maybe we could do special things. Well, just about the time we open it, a very interesting thing happens. The conference in their wisdom sends to our church Pastor Julie. And Pastor Julie, in her newness and freshness to the community, says, hey, I'd like to do something called the seven days of prayer. And we're going to invite people to come every night for seven days and, and we'll have a meal. And those of us who knew better looked at each other and said, are you kidding me? We can't get anybody out even for one night, much less seven in a row. But you see, she didn't know any better. And because we wanted to be encouraging of the new pastor, we said, yeah, let's give it a go. And some 200 of you started showing up every night. And that space that we thought one day might be a good space for, for interacting right from the very beginning, we set up tables and you sat there and you ate together. And it became a transformational experience almost immediately. A new era of togetherness in the community. But then that's not all. Then there is Jennifer Bergram, who seemingly has no limit to her energy and came up with the absolutely absurd suggestion that we would shut down services for a whole Sabbath and we'd all just go out and surf. Okay, in any other era in this church, that's a non-starter. But there's been a lot of transition. And there's a new set of lay leadership in this church. A new set of lay leaders that are very committed to service and very much want to be engaged in this larger community. And so she brought that idea to the staff and we said, I don't know, let's ask, let's ask ADCOM, let's ask the board. And, and everybody said, yeah, let's do this. So we did. We shut it down. No idea for sure what would happen. But nearly 900 of you volunteered and served in this community all on one Sabbath, all around this area, and probably made a bigger impact in a single day with the service that was done than we've made in the last eight years. 
because somebody tried something. And then everybody gathered back. I heard numbers as high as five, six hundred people all here in the evening last Sabbath trying to have dinner together. An amazing time. There's new buildings that are transforming our experience. I, I stood out there, I mentioned at the beginning, between the new children's wing and the, and the sanctuary between first and second service, and the energy out there was unbelievable. You've got to stand out there sometime in the weeks ahead as, as these kids are coming out and the parents are going back and forth. It was amazing. There's new buildings, new, new experiences in those spaces, new leaders. Just in the last few years, Pastor Tim, Pastor Juan, Pastor Justin, Pastor Julie, Pastor Jeremy. Oh, wait, you don't know him yet, do you? Guess you better be here next Sabbath. Just a little teaser. And others. New missions. I think we're entering a new era. And I think in that era, we're going to encounter some opportunities. Because there's some new people stepping up who don't know any better. The big special thing today, of course, is the opening of the new children's wing and the, the amazing energy that took place over there. So, so we wanted you to get a taste of it. We weren't sure the best way to do it, and it was all in kind of a rush. But we decided we'd try to do a video, and uh, so we did that right, at the, right around 10 o'clock, and we rushed it all so that we could have it at the last service, but we've got it again, so I want you to see, I'm going to take you on a little tour now by video, and I apologize in advance for all kinds of things that are going to happen, but uh, I want you to see what took place today in that new building. Justin, go ahead. All right, we are live in five, four, three. Okay, here we go. Opening day, children's wing. Let's go in here. Let's see what's going on. And please use the other door. Sorry about that. Let's give it another go. Oh, we just got it's the lovely. We're so glad you're here. Deborah Reams, so glad to see her today. All right, so when you come into Sabbath School, you'll come into this space. This is the general check-in area. You come over here, you get a name tag. Every kid's going to have one. Over here is for the, the new kids. In fact, we got a young man right here about to get his name tag. Let's go check this out. Look at this, young man getting his name tag. Oh, Billy the Kid. Good to meet you, Billy. Your name's Billy, right? Oh, well, you're Billy today, so have a good time. We're uh, working out a couple kinks, but there we go. Pastor Barb here. Good morning. I'm going to take you down, down the hall here. Let's go. Here we go. All right. So now the classes are getting underway. You can see on the doors here. Now this will be the fourth grade class, but they come in another door. Here's the three-year-olds are in here. Now, fourth grade's not actually in there yet. They're gonna be in there in a minute, and I'll show you why when we get upstairs. So here we go. 
Down the hall here is, uh, we have the elephant uh, in the room, but we're not gonna talk about that. And uh, we keep going, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, pretty awesome. By age, you got your own room. Now, this is what we're excited about because we've split kindergarten, which was the mob, I mean, crater roll, which was the mob scene of everybody and everybody's parents into birth to two-year-olds and then and then two to three-year-olds here. So this is the new group. Here we go, they're all starting to come and we got special little chairs for them all. And uh, Ms. Shereen Nichols, Tim's wife, is leading out here. So this is gonna be amazing what's going on here. This is one of the new classes we're able to offer now that uh, now that we have more space to do it. I got bubbles going for you. Oh, and we have bubbles. We gotta do bubbles. <laughs> here we go, bubbles. Yes. So excited. Yeah. So excited. All right, so good deal. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, four year olds here. Let's take a quick peek there. Now, these are not the chairs that, that we're going to have. We'll have new ones. We brought these over, but the new ones haven't got here yet. So we'll have some new chairs. That was part of the donation. Ready to go. It's amazing. Here we go. All right, Lion of the Lamb, Jesus there. Very nice, all right, so, so that you get oriented on where we are. This is the youth center right here. That's Pastor Mark's office straight in there. So let's go up the stairs now. This is the back stairway. You'll probably go up the other stairs if you come in the front door. And all right, now some of these classrooms up here, the kids aren't going to be in them yet, but you're going to see why in a minute. So this is the first grade room. You go in the other door, so keep coming here. This is five-year-olds. We got everything labeled up there. You can see the labels. Okay, here's the four or five-year-olds. All right, we're going to go in there in just a second, but they'll go into here, the first grade class, and then there'll be a second grade class will be here. So you can keep coming. Hey, good to see you. Thank you. Happy Sabbath. Good to see you. Okay. So there's some more will be there. Now down here, this is the this is the bathrooms, and there's the same thing downstairs. This is third grade, but none of them are there because they're in here. And this is a special thing we're doing for first to fourth grade at the beginning. Come in here and see this. excited about this. This is how we're going to start the class for first to fourth grade. They're going to all come together, do this, and then there's a, there'll be a, a little presentation and a lot of fun things. So they'll all start together. Then they break up and go to their different classes uh, for the lesson study time. So it's amazing, amazing to see all those kids in here already. All right, we got to keep moving. All right, off we go. <laughs> 
So here's the elevator. I'm glad for it, but uh, a little disappointed. That was the koi pond. That was my hopes, but uh, we had to let that go. This was going to be the jump for the for the memory verse people, but uh, other people thought otherwise. So we went elevator. Here's the stairs. We're going to go down. And uh, this is the front stairs. You'll probably take these more often if you come in with your kid. You have one of the great volunteers. Wave to the camera. Nope, should have one more. There we go. Give a wave. <laughs> All right. And uh, as we come along here, here comes more. Come on up, people. We'll get out of your way. You have important work to do. We're just shooting video. All right. Okay, very, very good, and I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, 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 here's a little bit of that cotton candy I was talking about, uh, yeah, I knew it'd be here if we just look in the right room, so, all right, off we go, gotta get back, got a sermon to do, so, all right, so, everybody get a chance to be a part of this and, and see what's going on here on October 13, which is a Sunday. Come out that day, 11.30. It'll be a ribbon cutting kind of ceremony, 11.30 to 12. And a lot of folks from the conference, the builders are gonna be here. And a lot of a lot of really neat stuff. So come that day, 11.30 to 12, and then it'll be open house and there'll be some bounce houses for kids and everybody will get some cotton candy that day. So hope to see you then. Real excited about this and uh, praise God. So Alan, thanks for being here, for helping us out. and. Uh, all right, see you inside. All right. How do you turn this off? Okay. So if you didn't hear that announcement part clearly, October 13 is the official grand opening event. That's a Sunday. It'll start at 11.30, and we'll, 11.30 to 12 will be the formal ceremony part where we'll cut the ribbon and do other things like that, and the builders will be here, and a lot of the people who have been involved. And then from about noon to 2, uh, you can go through the building and see the different places and everything going on, and there'll just be a lot of fun that day. So uh, put that down on your calendar, October 13. So all I can say is it's an honor for us to be a part of this church at this time, in this era. This is an amazing opportunity that the Lord has opened before us thanks to the faithfulness of this community and the belief in this vision of what can be. And you saw the energy and the excitement there. So here's the thing. Yes, in the short run, it's kind of a Jerusalem project in the sense that we built it for the kids of the people here. But it can be an Antioch project, too, because there's Greek families out there who need to be a part of this experience in here. And all it takes is a couple of you to just be crazy and not know better and say to your neighbor who's got kids, hey, we got this wonderful new facility and these wonderful new children's programs. Come and be a part of this. Before you know it, the conference will be sending people over here to try to figure out what we're doing. So, but that's the opportunity. And this is a new era that we're coming into, centered in, in worship, and centered in family, centered in togetherness, centered in service. 
and centered in testimony where we reach out to those around us. Acts 11.21 are the words I want to leave you with, and this is, this is what I pray will be what is said about us in this era. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Can you think of anything better to be said? That was the summation of that era of the church in Antioch. I believe God wants to do that same work with us in this era here. So will you join me and pray that the Lord, that the hand of the Lord will be with us, that a great number will believe and will turn to the Lord? I think we're standing at the edge of a remarkable era. I'm thrilled to be able to be a part of it. Let's pray for God's blessing. Father in heaven, we thank you for the doors that you have opened to us. And I pray that you would give us new eyes for mission, that we will see this opportunity. And it won't just result in a blessing to us, but it will also result in a blessing to many around Lord, help us to be crazy enough to share how good you are and how good you've been to us. And Lord, fill these new spaces that have been created with children who are learning about Jesus, with families that are coming together in new ways, and with a whole community that is experiencing a new level of togetherness here in this space. Lord, we thank you that we have a chance to be a part of this era. May your blessing be on it. In Jesus' name, amen.